Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Wing Addiction Podcast. I'm your host, Josh, and as always, my co-host is my lovely wife, Leslie. Hi, y'all. Okay, this is our third attempt at an intro. Yes, so this is going to be really short because we've already done it 2,700 times. <laughs> but guess what? Tonight's... It's a great podcast. It's, 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 it's with, one of my favorites. Yes, with lots of great music. It's singer-songwriter so. Kenton Bryant. Kenton is uh, from Glasgow, Kentucky. I'm not going to tell you any more about no, Kenton. We he, got time for that because you, they're going to listen to it here in just a minute. They a great singer songwriter. Not only is he a singer songwriter, he's also a tried and true dying wool bird hunter. Got a house full of setters. Mm-hmm. Man loves to bird hunt. Um, before we go any further, I also want to mention our sponsors and our giveaway. We got a patron only giveaway going uh, to get her that patron only giveaway, which is a Sport Dog 425X system go to patreon.com and then search wing addiction or you can go to patreon.com forward slash wing addiction and uh, five dollars a month you can enter up into that giveaway and by march 7th yep next next week we're going to give away this uh yeah so you support dog you've got about a week to go ahead and become a patron and your chances are really really good to win this system so um better hurry up and get it done we've got people that have already jumped on board that are like chomping at the bit wanting to wanting us to do this drawing yep so five dollars gets you an entry twenty dollars gets you five entries and ten ten dollars gets you uh two so just the more you give the more entries you get also check out our sponsors uh dakota283.com is dakota283 is unparalleled pet protection rotomoted kennels um it's the best bang for your buck i say that to everybody if you're interested in dakota kennel go check out dakota283.com and use our promo code wa10 to receive 10 percent off and free shipping that's right we've never had one break we've never had a dog get out we've never had any issues whatsoever ever 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 out of these kennels also onyx hunt know where you stand with onyx hunt um if you've not got onyx hunt on your phone get rid of your flip phone get your smartphone and get you onyx hunt uh, you don't worry about getting lost. They've got offline maps you can download at home. If you know the area you're going to, I think it's like a 25-mile radius. The You know, the big one goes up to like 10 or 10 miles something. But, I mean, you can download like a huge plot of land. You don't even have to have cell service to use that. Once you've got that downloaded on your you phone. Plan your hunt. Yep. You can, with Onyx. Yep. And um, it's got uh, crop layers on there, 3D imaging, which is super-duper helpful and cool uh got all the topo lines and everything on it but anyways um uh, tree you know when they've burned last if you're up north in in the grouse woods you know when they've burned last uh it's pretty cool stuff and we have a promo code it is we got the wap that's wap20 some will get that Mm -hmm. some won't Mm -hmm. but it's the coolest (laughs) promo code in the business wap20 gets you 20 percent off on x hunt check them out on xhunt.com also, let's not forget Cable Gangs. Brennan Landry with Cable Gangs. Yep. Yeah, best dog tie-out system on the market. Best dog tie-out system. Once again, nothing has ever broken on this thing. We use it constantly. It's in the weather constantly. It's been tied out for a month. It's been tied out for a month right now. Yep. It's it, And I mean, it's been pretty harsh around here. Yeah, snow and, and everything. Snow and rain and everything you could think of. Plus, it's gotten hot and sunny and, and nothing is nothing's yeah. falling no. apart on it nothing's given so not not brittle or anything it's not breaking down if the, you want a um, cable gang system go check them out at cablegangs.com their website's up and running and use our promo code 
FWA drop for a free drop. If you order a four dog system, he'll give you a free drop with a promo code WA drop. And last but not least is one of our best sponsors ever, a Nookshook dog food. If you don't, if you've not heard of a Nookshook, you're you're living under a log too. Everybody's leaving Brand X that everybody's been with. They're going to a Nookshook because first of all, who makes 32% protein, 32% fat that's a fish-based product that don't have a bunch of junk in it. That's a Nookshook. They've also just come out with a marine formula that um, doesn't even have corn or none of that fillers in it. It's it's This food sells sweet. itself, and the, the proof is right in your face. Use it for a month, and I dare you to tell me you didn't like it. Yep. And if you want to know more, go to their website, or you can give us a shout, or you can listen to our podcast two podcasts ago, I yep, believe. Yep, two podcasts ago. Yeah. If you want to become a wholesale dealer and uh, and sell the Anook Shook yourself, also just shoot us a message, a DM. I will get you hooked up with the right people. Um, also, if you want to make a wholesale order, I've got the best promo code in a business on any platform of any kind of podcast. Mm-hmm. Use the promo code WA100. That's a hundred dollars off your first wholesale order so i mean that's that's huge so check them out anookshookpro.com two podcasts ago they talk about the new marine formula but i'm tired of talking wait this. a minute i don't even think that you talked about sport dog we've done this intro over and over so many times i think this time you didn't even talk about sport dog well shoot they're doing their giveaway why didn't i mention them sportdog.com yeah the best yeah i mean sport oh, i can't believe i forgot to fail i mentioned sport dog but yes um, we're giving away, like I said, the 425. Go to sportdog.com. Anything from remote launchers, tracking systems, to e- e-callers. I mean, it's they've got a full line. They've been in business for 100,000 years. They were here with the dinosaurs. Clay Thompson is their... Is their they're local to us. Yep, they're local to us. Clay Thompson is the main man there. He, uh, he knows what he's talking about. We've also done a podcast with him this year, so go back and listen to that. But sorry to... Say we almost forgot about Sport Dog. Check them out, sportdog.com, and we're working on a promo code for them. So, with any nothing else further said, we're going to bring on Kenton Bryant, national recording artist, songwriter, songwriter. and that is a killer bird hunter, also diehard bird hunter. All right, here we go. Ain't a high school fame Burns as hot as we can Ain't two of a kind Win every time like we can Yeah, we've seen a few suns come up Made a few stars come out Found a little last call up Thrown a few doubles on down Me and whiskey go Of course. 
course. Yay. Hey. Everybody, everybody, music you just heard was that of Nashville recording artist slash bird hunter, turkey hunter, deer hunter, just a great outdoorsman, a super nice guy, Kenton Bryan of Nashville. If I had a little applause button, I'd hit it right now. Kenton, good, <laughs> to, have, good to have you on the podcast, buddy. Yes, yes, yes. Thank y'all for having me. I've been excited about this one. So, Kent, I haven't even told you this, and I haven't even told you told my wife this yet, but we've got a few other – well, she knows we've got a few other songwriters and, and singers lined up from Nashville, but this is going to be part one of a multi-part uh, Nashville songwriter-singer series we're going to put out. So, um, yeah, all of our – all the all the regular – it'll it'll just go weekly just like our regular podcast, but we've got you and Leith Lofton and uh, Ojano, a few other guys lined up to, uh, to do, but, uh, I'm telling you what, Kent, that's, that's straight up country music right there, brother. Oh, thanks. Dude. I sure appreciate it very much. Yeah. We got to, we got to hear you. Um, when was that was two weeks that, ago, right? That was, yeah. At the national wild turkey or national wild turkey federation commission yeah. in, in, uh, the and national we're palace sitting there and Josh goes, well, that guy right there with the did he have quail on yeah you hat? had your white quail bob white, hat on. bob white hat on yeah yeah he's got quail on his hat he's a bird hunter and i'm gonna talk to him here in a minute <laughs> that's my favorite hat yeah yes, you so. know i was i was driving down the road and thinking today i was like i talked to kent in just probably three minutes after he got off stage and i see him stand over with his hat and i told the ladies i said i'm gonna go over and talk to this guy i said i'll be back in a minute i said he's a bird hunter and Kenton was just anytime anybody knows anything about an artist, when they get off stage or they've been jamming, playing, they're just sweating. And of course, it's always hot, you know, everywhere you play. And and Kenton was just sweating, and he got over there and was just looking more out. And as soon as I asked him if he's a bird hunter, man, he cheered up. And he, I mean, he just <laughs> started smiling. And I was like, oh yeah, he's a bird hunter. So how long have you been bird hunting, Kenton? God, man, um, just like I, I feel like a lot of guys, kind of my age, we caught the tail end of of everybody bird hunting. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up and. You know, my great uncle got my dad into it. And, you know, we went from one dog to seven, eight dogs real quick. And growing up, man, we always had Llewellyn setters is what my dad mm-hmm. always had. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just, I remember going, going bird hunting around five or six years old, you know, mm-hmm. and being around bird dogs and pointers and setters and, um, just always something I wanted to do. And, and always something I felt like was just what we did in Kentucky. You know, there were still, Birds around the the big decline hadn't hit as much in the mid nineties mm-hmm. yet in in Kentucky and uh, you know I got my first pup I would say probably fourteen my dad had a litter of setters mm-hmm. got my first pup and he's kind of bittersweet man I, I got got this awesome little setter and, and named her Jill and uh, I I you know got off what was it uh Christmas break and I legit and, and back then you know man most of the dogs we had were meat dogs, you know, they weren't mm-hmm. steady to wing and shot. They were, we point, we shoot and bird dog goes, gets it, bring it. <laughs> that's you right. Know. Yep. They, they're yeah. meat dogs. And, um, uh, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, that's just what it was. Nobody yep. was trialing them or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had this little setter man and we hunted every, I'm talking every single day of Christmas break, uh, except for Christmas. And mm-hmm. I mean, we just, I didn't have a truck. I couldn't drive. So I remember, you know, hunting and hunting and hunting. We'd hunt all day walking. We got about 500 acres behind our house. And mm-hmm. I remember going out and just hunting our asses off. Mm-hmm. And the last day of season uh, or last day of or the break, Christmas break or whatever, I remember that Saturday she went on pointing down this fence or, yeah, went on pointing a fence row, just staunch, man. And mm-hmm. I remember walking up, flushing that bird or flushing a covey and shot the bird. She brought it back. 
And, you know, I mean, anybody that's ever been around bird dogs, especially young dogs, uh, seeing that first time is just unbelievable. Oh, and, yeah, and you was hooked. Uh, well, you know, and I'd been hooked, but it never had been my hook. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It always been dad's dogs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I remember that was amazing. And, unfortunately, in the spring, that dog had uh, – she started getting seizures real bad. Mm-hmm. And she ended up passing about March. Oh, <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. No. So, yeah. So that was my first bird dog, which, you know, but it was, I mean, you know, you, it's part of it. It's part of having bird dogs. And oh, it, it definitely is. Now, before we get in much into the bird dogs and much in hunting, I want to save that for just a little later, Kenton. Yeah. But right now, how long have you been in Nashville? I've been in Nashville starting my ninth year this year. Starting your ninth year. Now, do you consider yourself a singer, a songwriter, or a singer songwriter? Uh, both, man. I, you know, songwriting pays the bills. I've been very, very fortunate to, uh, to you know, land a publishing deal at, at a couple big publishers in town already. I'm, I'm, I just started my second deal. Um, cool. About four years ago, I was signed to uh, Big Machine Music in town. Oh, for a yeah. Deal. We split deal with a guy named Jonathan Singleton. And uh, Jonathan's written 15 number ones, I think, now. He's, he's made more money than God. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but he signed me, and, and he was such a great mentor and such a great friend. And and I learned a whole lot. And uh, in that catalog, we got some, just starting to get some big cuts. I can't say who. Right. Probably, I got, I'm pretty sure, well, I know I, I had two on the next, probably the biggest record of this year, which is going to be awesome as a songwriter. That's sweet. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't tell you wait. who. I can't I tell you who. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, t I'll tell you this much right now, Kent. And as soon as they, as soon as they hit and the checks start coming in, you're paying for a Kansas trip this fall. <laughs> I, I got it, man. I already got it planned. Out. We'll go into that in a minute too. But I got two, you know, got two on on this big record by a guy that's got a beard and mm -hmm. uh, red beard. And uh, <laughs> so then I've got a, a Kit Moore. I think is going to end up putting one of my songs out too. And you know, it's it's taken a long time. It's taken nine years to start getting big cuts. And um, I, I've been working my tail off. I just signed a new deal over at Warner Chapel here in town, Warner Chapel and Red Door Music. Oh, yeah. And, uh, just I've been blessed, man. I always say that, you know, it just takes a lot of hard work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just like anything else, it'd be real easy to quit and go do something else. But I've uh, I figured out a way to, to go another day of work without buying khaki pants. Well, there you go. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of eating ramen noodles and hot dogs before you can chow on yeah. a steak, he, huh? He, he, yeah, he doesn't want to be Jake from State Farm, it sounds like. <laughs> well, the, the thing that nobody really tells you, and, and, and I, again, I've been so blessed because, like, once you get a publishing deal, you become you go from the broke songwriter, the guy that moved to town with nothing. I mean, I, I'm telling you all, I moved to town with $2,000, and that's to pay the deposit on everything mm -hmm. and first month's rent. I bet I, I didn't have more than $400 in my bank account for a year and a half. But yeah. you get a you get a uh, a publishing deal and, and it pays you know middle America money you know you mm -hmm. become what middle class folks and, and mm -hmm. that's you know I've been so fortunate to be able to write songs for a living and write for publishing companies and being able to make you know make money and but mm -hmm. the the thing is is the goalposts move you know it goes well I just need a publishing deal well I need a publishing deal and start to get some cuts well mm -hmm. I need a publishing deal and those cuts need to be hits. You know, mm -hmm. and then you need more hits. <laughs> yep. And, yep. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I keep telling everybody, as long as I can, you know, write songs and, and, and do what I love, and, and it allows me so much freedom to, to run bird dogs and go elk hunting for two weeks of the year and, and do all the stuff I like to do. I've just been, you know, I, I can't complain too much. Well, how old was you when you moved to Kent, or when you moved to Nashville, Kenton? 
23. 23 years old, so you're straight out of school. 22, excuse me. Yeah, yeah right at it. Well, I quit school, man. I wasn't very good at that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I quit school. I was playing in the bars, and uh, I, I was working in a music store, and uh, the guy that owned it was like, you need to move to Nashville. I'm like, okay. He goes, uh, move to Nashville. I said, well. So I don't have a job. He goes, no, just just move to Nashville. Here's some money. So he helped me oh. sell. He helped, he helped me sell an amplifier that I had, and uh, and moved me to Nashville, man. So, well, well, that's awesome. And you came straight from via Glasgow, Kentucky, correct? No, I went to Western Kentucky University for a couple of years before I figured out school was not my thing. And uh, so I went to Glasgow and 30 minutes down the road to Bowling Green, and then uh, from Bowling Green to Dickerson Road, where the hookers hang out. That's where I was for about a year. And I'm not. I'm not BSing. They're legit. Might not be now. It's still pretty bad. But when I was there, you could drive down the road not very far. Wow. Ladies at the night running wow. around. <laughs> well, if I get broke and need some money, I'll know where to go. Well, make some I was going to say maybe that was the backup plan. I'll hang out yeah. down here, and if I uh, can't yeah. make music, then maybe I'll. <laughs> if I can't make music, I'll start yeah. There you go. There you go. Have a trick or two. <clears throat> well, it's awesome. What was the song you brought us in with? What was the name of that song, Kenton? That song's called "Way Back." I wrote that song with my uh, good friend William Michael Morgan. Y'all might remember William Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a song. He had a hit a couple years ago. I met a girl. Uh, great song. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he and I we were writing for his record. Gosh, probably 20, 2018. and uh, we wrote that song together. And he goes, "Man, I think that sounds more like you." And I was like, "Well, I think it does too." We <laughs> 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 released it. It's done really well for us. It's it's been an awesome song. We've done a lot of touring off of that song, and it's uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites, man. Well, I tell you, you ask all the singers, they say the songwriters make the money. You ask all the songwriters, they say the singers make the money. So. Well, I can tell you from both sides of it, the, if, if you're, without going into detail, the songwriters, if you're a major songwriter and you have songs on the radio, yes. If not, it's a, it is a hard thing, and, and there are a lot of songwriters that are out there um, that should be making money that aren't because streaming royalties are really, really, really low. It's a, mm-hmm. it's set by a board of people that don't understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it'd be like trying to explain rocket science to a four year old. You just, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it and the nuances and, and trying to explain to somebody why you think you need a raise is always an uphill battle. And mm-hmm. uh, but there are people doing it in Washington, trying to get us a raise. Spotify is, trying to block it. Um, you know, we make, what was it for a hundred? If, if all three of us wrote a song, it gets a hundred million streams on Spotify, a hundred million. You we're all set to make individually $6,800. Wow. What? Yes. Wow. That's insanity. That's insanity. And there's the, less than 1% of the songs on Spotify have a hundred million streams. So that's, wow. and when, and when songwriters say we need help, it's because people don't, I mean, nobody knows. And it's, it's a genuinely thing. It's people need to write into, and nobody's going to, but it's, we're having to write into our, our lawmakers and going, hey, man, like, you don't understand. We, this is our real job. We're real good at this. And, but we're only getting paid 0.0001% of, for stream. You know what I mean? Right, so it's, yeah. I mean, but I will say, no, you know, if you own the song, if you're the artist or the label, you know, a hundred million streams is four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Okay. So that's the difference. So if mm-hmm. you're an artist, 
you know, if you're a record label and they the same song for a hundred million, they're gonna make four hundred grand. Who were we listening to? Somebody was trying to explain it, and they were talking about how you can, like, after so many years, then you actually own your music, but for like ten years or yeah, something. for certain deals, they say the label owns the music, and after that, I guess the artist owns the music, or I guess you know how that works. Yeah, I mean, and again, we're getting into the nuance of it, but it's like there, there's. As a songwriter, you own your the copyright. When you get a publishing deal, you you bring somebody in as a split, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they own that split for a while until everybody's square, and right. uh, you know then you get it back and you own the full copyright. Well, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's 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 fun, man. It's a but it's again, it's a lot a lot of stuff to try to go down a road and explain to people that don't really want to hear about it. So at the end of the day, songwriters need to raise. Tell everybody. I hear you. And speaking <laughs> speaking of hearing about it, let's hear another jingle from Kent Bright. What are you gonna play for us? Ben, I'll play a verse in the chorus for you for uh, my song Covered in Dirt. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. You grow up barefoot, raising hell in the backyard, turning dad a grave, making mama work hard to keep white on your shirt. Covered in dirt You turn 16 Get a set of keys to a set of wings Shot it on up bigger up Just to get the thing back where you were Covered in dirt Cause it's down in your soul All over the roots of your hometown Down in your bones Where your mind goes when it goes Covered in dirt. Wow. That, that's great. That's straight up country. That's I like that. That was you can tell that was wrote from the heart. That's a great that's a killer cut right there. Thanks, man. It's it's been a real good one for me. It's one of my biggest releases ever. And and as I said, if you're if you're listening to this, all these songs are on Spotify that I'm playing and and you know, doing the verse and the chorus, uh give you guys a little taste of it that way you can go check out the real thing. That's exactly right. Absolutely. That's exactly right. That's awesome. So, uh, so Kenton moved to Nashville nine years ago. Uh, he's from Glasgow, Kentucky. Uh, Kenton's finally what you would say in air quotes, he's made it. And he's, uh, he's took a lot of uh, punches. He's had to roll with the punches over the, over the nine years. Kenton, what would you say is the, besides the singing songwriting, what is your favorite part of Nashville? Um, you're gonna laugh the food man food's fantastic here mm-hmm. genuinely is i mean my wife and i uh we we loved go eat man that's one of our <laughs> and the food here is good it's good and mm-hmm. you know the it's it's changed so much nashville is, as a city has changed drastically over nine years i mean when i was here uber wasn't even here you know when i first mm-hmm. moved to town and now it's everything and downtown is a whole different beast i don't go downtown very much but um i will say that the the food here is fantastic. If you like going to eat and you like trying stuff. And I, I would say that most of the restaurants even still t- stay true to a Southern style of cooking. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much, you know, if you want high class food, there's high class food, if there's low class food, but it all feels like 
it's supposed to be in Nashville. It's not mm-hmm. New York food that they're just trying to do here. Mm-hmm. The key is butter. And when you butter. think you have used enough butter, you have not. Double it and use more <laughs> butter. You know, that's funny. And bacon grease is the same thing. A bacon right? grease, butter, Crisco, mayonnaise. If you don't care for any of those things, you cannot live here. You cannot that's, be a part of our culture. It's so funny. You know, I, I love to cook. That's probably one of my favorite things. And my mom grew up cooking just a great Southern cook. And I ask her anytime, I'm like, what do you need? She's like, it needs more sugar and it needs more butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why those vegetables taste good? There's a shitload of butter and sugar in there. <laughs> Salt, butter, sugar, whatever. I mean, I could, you can... As Josh, you can take any nasty vegetable that somebody won't eat. I can doctor it up with some butter and some garlic and a little half and half. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make you slap your mamma off. It's good. And I'm then you'll good. leave with like high cholesterol. Oh, for sure. You know, my favorite thing to make is cornbread. I make cornbread like four days mm-hmm. a week. <laughs> now, do you make it? What do you make it in? Uh, cast iron skillet. So there you go. You got you got to take it back. Kentucky, though. I don't know why we're even talking about this because Kentucky's just the same. I mean, half a mason family... jar of bacon grease. That's yes, <laughs> half a mason jar of bacon grease. Get it hot. Get your stuff in there. Butter. You got to get some good whole buttermilk, not that low fat buttermilk. Good buttermilk. No. Ain't get nothing it. low fat. Yeah. yeah, get you mixing me or cornmeal. The trick for me, like I found out, because I'm a cornbread connoisseur. Is uh, you got to find the cornmeal hot rye. Hot rye's cornmeal, not the mix. You don't want the fucking flour in there. You want <laughs> cornmeal. And uh, we ain't baking a cake. Do that. No. There, put it in the 435, and it makes the best cornbread ever. My dad, he's like, don't tell nobody, but you make cornbread better than your mom does. <laughs> do That's- you ever fry cornbread? I do. I make potato cakes all the time. If I have leftovers, sometimes I make potato cakes and just eat them while i'm cooking when we were when we go bird hunting um well this when we went to kansas this last time we were staying in these cabins but and we had electricity and we had a grill outside we just didn't have an oven but we didn't have an oven or anything but i brought my instapot i'm trying Mm -hmm. to remember how did oh i made that cornbread in my cast iron skillet on the grill outside yeah and we just put aluminum foil over the top and it was it was good but i had cooked i cooked bacon in that skillet yeah. before i put the cornbread in it and i mean it was that was some good old camp rough grub but it was good we thought we was it. all gonna lose weight on that trip and we all came back about 10 pounds fatter i think <laughs> what part of kansas y'all go to uh western kansas out toward uh around the Hayes location within oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, within 75 to 100 miles of Hayes, just kind of a, you know, around Hayes. Nice. I, I, we go to Kinsley and Lewis. Yeah, That's okay. Cool. Took my wife for the first time this Uh-oh. year. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she she killed a rooster. He's got tail feathers longer than this dog's tail. He, I'm telling you, she killed one, and I was like, honey, she wanted one to mount so bad, and she killed the prettiest rooster. It's, I mean, it's got tail feathers that damn long. I'm getting her send it off. To get done. But she she had a That's blast. Awesome. Man. She loved it's, it. She's hooked now. Well, turkey is my favorite. Yeah. Of the birds to shoot, and then pheasant. And is she right loves behind. she loves shooting pheasants. Pheasants, my 
it's right at the top of my list. So, so before we get, so before we get into hunting, Kenton, you, you, your favorite part of besides the singing and songwriting in Nashville is the food. What is your favorite, what is your favorite part of singing and songwriting? I mean, what, I know it's probably the camaraderie of all your buddies you write with. You know, man. Yeah. I, I think that plays a part of it. I think it's, uh, there's, there's a magic and, and, and as much as Nashville and, and the machine and it's job, there's no doubt that it's, we, we try to take the magic out of it, but at the end of the day, man, we walk in the room and don't have anything. And I walk out of the room about four to five days a week with something that's never been heard before ever. We create something and I take it for granted a lot, but it's, it's the wildest thing in the world. I don't know how we do it. I don't know. I don't know how you write a song. I don't know if I ever want to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might, it might not be there anymore, but it's uh there's there's some magic in there, man, and, and I'm just blessed that the good Lord gave me the talent to be able to somehow navigate a road, you know, from start to finish, and uh, it when when we get done, there's there's something that makes some kind of sense, and it's yeah. it's, it's yeah, hard, you, and it's wonderful. You we was gonna do this podcast about an hour earlier than we was uh, than we actually done it tonight, but Kenton called me today or I called Kent and was talking to him this afternoon. He said, man, he said, can we back it up or can we you know, back it up about an hour? He said, I'm going to be in the, in the studio. We're going to be writing or not in the studio, but in the, the room with a bunch of songwriters and we're going to be writing this evening and <clears throat> I won't be done. And of course, <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, go ahead. So uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. I don't think people really know how the songwriting in Nashville, I think people thinks that all songs come from a tour bus table while they're half drunk, sitting there scratching on a napkin, which a lot of good ones does. But a songwriter, as Kenton was saying earlier, that's their full-time job, basically. And like Kent was just saying, I mean, y'all meet three or four times a week and put artistic. Now, I'm not a singer-songwriter, but I can... You're not? Well... I'm not signed. He's I, not. I told Leslie today, I said, I don't know what everybody's waiting on. I'm just going to sign myself to my own deal. I don't That's know what everybody else is waiting on. They, nobody wants to hear we are the world and jingle bells anymore. Then no. <laughs> promise you that. So, but yeah, singer songwriters. I mean, I, I, like you said, there's magic got to happen in that room. Cause when you put three or four guys together and I mean, it's just, do you, when you go into a songwriting session, do you all go into a songwriting session with a type of song in mind or do you just go in there? Do you guys just start talking? How does that work? I mean, just fill the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. I mean, you, you have to be open-minded because as I said, like the easy songs are the ones you mentioned earlier where it's like you have inspiration and it just hits you. It's the good Lord gave you a great song mm-hmm. where a staff songwriter and professional songwriter makes his money is I can walk in Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning after dropping my kiddo off at school and write is just as good a song. And that's, that's the hard thing is, uh, and it being commercially viable. I mean, we mm-hmm. all don't get me wrong. Y'all I, I listen to as much Merle Haggard and old stuff as anybody, mm-hmm. but we live in a, we live in a world where, People want to hear Morgan Wallen and Luke Bryan, and mm-hmm. if you want to, if you want songs of yours to get cut and placed, you have to be up with the times, and you have mm-hmm. to be writing stuff that is going to be on the radio today, not mm-hmm. what you want to be on the radio. And do you think yeah. that's the reason a lot of songwriters get left behind? I think a lot of songwriters don't become professional songwriters because they're not willing to 
give up their ego and write something that's it's not about you. I mean, we're I'm trying to put my kid through school, man. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, you know, I don't know what everybody on here does for work, but if 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 I had the choice between writing a song that Luke Bryan wants to cut and he it, it's on his record or and and feed my kids or not feed my kids, I'm going to write a song for Luke Bryan every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're you're helping them tell their story. It's not your it's not your story mm-hmm. and um you just got to be thankful that the good Lord gave you the the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I think a lot of people do get left behind because they're not willing to use their talents in a commercial way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I write, I mean, shoot, you heard a lot of my, my artist stuff. I write, I, from for me, I write and sing and record what I feel like is the most me thing ever. But I write, mm-hmm. as far as a songwriter, you have to be a you have to be anonymous, man. I I, mm-hmm. I walk in one day and I might write a song with Dylan Carmichael. I don't know if you know Dylan, um, or you know somebody that's super country. Something we're gonna pitch, pitch to Cody Johnson, mm-hmm. you know something that's a cowboy country song on Monday and Tuesday. I might be writing a song that I want Sam Hunt to cut. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. different. And then wow. you know the next day we might be writing one that is for rock band you know mm-hmm. what i mean or a pop artist i might i mean i write with some people out of la and new york and we might be writing to pitch to justin bieber wow. but mm-hmm. you know and it's it's being able to be a chameleon across mm-hmm. all rooms is what is what gets you the deal um not just being a great guy chris stapleton wrote more thomas rett and luke bryan songs than anybody ever wants to admit and he did mm-hmm. it because he had to feed his kids man i mean mm-hmm. that's that's what we're all doing we all have a job and and it's uh, it, you just got to be thankful that you're the one doing it. Well, man, man, talking to you, I and people listening to you over the podcast, you can tell you've got your ducks in a row, and you know where you come from, and you have a a, a vision of where you're where you want to go. And it oh, sounds God. like you're you're following your plan to a T. And but as far as you and your music, the, the music that you sing, it's um, it's country, dude, and and. I know people probably they don't get to see you because it's a podcast, but the first time I met Kenton, I talked to him for five minutes. Of course, we had the hunting thing in common. And anytime you got something like that in common with somebody, it's like you know him forever. And Kenton's just a solid and earth guy. I mean, he just threw his hand out and was like, we just started talking and it was it was great. That I'm very thankful for that night at the National Palace. That was that's pretty awesome. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Was. and you get to meet so many people. I mean, I've been so blessed, man. I mean, I met Nate Hosey just through a friend of a friend, and you know, Nate is, is a hunter down to earth, mm-hmm. just the same thing, man. And you know, we—if I didn't meet Nate, I never would have met you. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing you just got to be so thankful for because I've met some amazing people. I've been able to—I mean, almost every single hunting trip I take is tied to somebody that I've met over the years playing music and writing songs. Mm-hmm. My elk hunts. I mean, uh, you know, I, my, we were talking earlier, I killed a Roosevelt elk in Oregon off the coast, a guy that I met through friend of a friend of music, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the people I hunt with out in Kansas to pheasant hunt, met him playing a show, you know, mm-hmm. just, Hey, you like pheasant hunt? I like pheasant hunt. Why don't you come out and hunt with us? Okay. You know, yeah. I mean, in my Colorado place, I hunt elk hunt, met him at a show and they said, Hey mm-hmm. man, we got a ranch. Why don't you just come hunt it? Oh, sounds great. You know, <laughs> you know, it's I one mean. of those things like we see it in the people that we hunt with. I mean, it's the thing that we had the common thread, you know, mm-hmm. because like we've hunted with doctors and, you know, we've, I mean, we will hunt with 
anybody but it's it's funny because if it wasn't for the hunting we not necessarily would have been like connected in any way whatsoever or had anything in common but you know the hunting community is actually so much smaller and tighter than anybody really realizes so I mean that's one of the things I love about it 100% and you know it's it's different for me and and I think my wife is, is just starting to realize it. And I, and I wanted her to get into bird hunting and turkey hunting because it is a little more communal. You know, we can go talk and walk the field, CRP field. You got mm-hmm. the dogs running. But it, and, and for her to understand, I mean, I spent two and a half weeks in Colorado by myself elk hunting this year. I, mm-hmm. By myself. I mean, mm-hmm. every day I saw the ranchers once every two or three days. And, mm-hmm. and I told her, I said, it's just a different thing when I'm by myself on a mountain hiking 10, 12 miles and, and getting it. Uh, I said, it's just, it's a little, that's solitary to me. And that's a different kind of hunting than turkey hunting with my dad. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going back on the side by side and hop out and throwing some decoys out and busting some birds and cooking breakfast. And that's, there's so many sides of hunting and you're right. I I love the the older I get, the more I love taking people hunting. I love Mm -hmm. taking people for their first turkey hunt, man. And, or get anytime somebody sees the dogs work for the first time, bird hunting. They're mm-hmm. blown away, but they're like, they're like, those dogs are unbelievably smart. I'm like, yeah, because I work with them every single day. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I love seeing that. I love seeing people enjoy the things that I've grown up enjoying. Now, Kenton, when you were two and a half weeks out by yourself on the mountain in Colorado, did you write any songs while you was there by yourself? No. And I loved it because I came back and wrote a bunch. <laughs> yeah. That makes you know, sense. It's uh, it, it's, it's amazing, man, because I, I love those trips where it's grueling, it's hard, and it it beats you down mentally, physically. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody on here that's been elk hunting knows exactly what I'm talking about. Bow hunting, because mm-hmm. I only bow hunt. I don't gun hunt mm-hmm. or yep. anything big. And uh, so I'm bow hunting in Colorado for two weeks. And, you know, it's just I drove out there by myself. I drove straight to the middle of Denver. I stayed with my brother one night, hung out with him, and then drove up to the mountain and stayed at the ranch. And, um, you know – you you go back to a primitive mindset because you're not worried about, you know, the house, the gutters doing this, you know, like you're not, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, I hopped, you know, <laughs> hopped in my hunting clothes, you know, went to the top of the mountain and I'm listening for bugles before the sun comes up mm-hmm. and you're in it. You're so devoured by the hunt. And it's, to mm-hmm. me, it, it takes you back to, being human mm-hmm. as much as anything. I mean, we all forget about that. And I think it's, it's been kind of uh, uh, cut out a whole lot is nobody knows that nobody knows that feeling of you, we're going to have to hunt for it. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to have to get out and go. And, uh, and man, I sure, it, it, it gives me a whole new lease on life for a bit when mm-hmm. I can go and you're sitting watching mule deer in a cut over for five hours. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's just something special about it, man. And, and, you know, it's like people laugh, like you're hiking out in the dark at you know, 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night. And, you know, there's mountain lions and bears all over because you've seen them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just a different thing. And uh, anybody that's ever wanting to go elk hunting, hit me a message. I, I love it. And it's a lot more affordable. You don't have to be paying $20,000 to go elk hunt. You can do it yourself mm-hmm. on public land if you want to go. And, uh mm-hmm. It's, it's a blast, and I think anybody needs to go try it. Or, I mean, hell, if you don't go hunt, go spend two or three days in the woods during elk rut in the middle of September and listen to yeah. them bugle. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, 
Uh oh, my wife just got home. Uh oh. <laughs> now what? What you're hearing in the background is Kenton's two setters. He's got a setter that's. Uh, um, tell us a little bit about those two setters. I think they're five and six months old. Yeah, so I got five five month old male um, out of uh, out of uh, Aaron Kennels um, and uh, got got a lot of Berg Brothers and Grouse Ridge and the female. Um, well, the, the male's mother comes. Uh, her maternal grandfather. Yeah, his maternal grandfather is Shadow Oak Bow. Uh, got it on the other side too, which that shadow bow was, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Two time winning thirteen fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, first setter to do it, and since nineteen oh six, I think. Mm-hmm. And the uh, uh, female, um, a lot of Berg Brothers, Grouse Ridge. Uh, God, I'm trying to think. Aaron Kennels, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but I just I got a wild hair. I've got a twelve year old setter that's curled up here, and she is just a, a oh. Barron County. She's a Barron County special. That's what I. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't come, She she comes from Temple Hill. That's about she Temple Hill. You know what I mean? Um, she's Glasgow, Kentucky, Brad. Huh? She's, she, yeah, she's Glasgow, Kentucky. But she's a sweet dog, and we had her. Uh, she was kind of the last of my dad's dogs, and you know we got her. I got her when I was twenty, and she was just a fun little dog. She loved to hunt, and uh, just you know moved to Nashville. Just I, I got her. She was another meat dog, and we talked about that earlier. Just a meat mm-hmm. dog, and. Uh, just kind of, she got old. She's 12 and a half and just decided my wife and I just bought a new house and, um, we decided to, uh, to bring her down a few months back and she just kind of hangs out. And then we got these two new puppies and, uh, I was like, I want to go bird hunting again. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't been a lot in the past few years. And, mm-hmm. um, we took Belle, this 12 and a half year old dog out and we got, we got some pretty good cubbies on our farm back home in Kentucky and wild cubbies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we went and I told dad, I said, you know what? I've had more fun today than I've had in forever chasing birds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, I might look to see you get back into puppy. He's like, you don't need a pup. You're too busy. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I got on gun dog broker and I started <laughs> looking. here's, here's how I work. This is bad. So I got on gun dog broker on a Monday morning and, uh, started looking at Llewellyn setters. I found, you know, a few kennels out of Texas, a few out of Virginia and, Found this, these people that had uh, some pups out of Illinois, and I called them. And so Saturday, no, it was Sunday, yeah, about five days later, I was driving to St. Louis to meet people, and I said, hey, I'm, I might get one. I'm going to get one for sure. Y'all just bring, because they had, I think, eight left, and they had two litters, you know, two two litters. The dog, yep. the stud got in, bred two of his bitches, and <laughs> we had two litters. And uh, – so he, he brought like eight dogs and, and I said, Hey, I'm going to get one, might get two, maybe. And, uh, sitting there talking to my dad on the phone, FaceTiming, and I picked out three out of the eight and I was like, I like these three. I like the way they look. And, uh, I said, I don't know what to do. He said, why don't you get both up? I said, shit, I guess I will. <laughs> and I said, oh my, my mom was in the background. So I picked out a male and a female and they, I didn't want to get litter mates. I at least wanted to get half brother and sister. Right, so they, right. Yeah. You know, Littermates sometimes get weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, but so but there's this brother to my male, and he is a sharp dog, man. Big, just a – he was a little bigger setter. And mm-hmm. uh, and I was telling Dad, I was like, you know, you ought to get it. He goes, I ain't getting another bird dog. If I buy one, I'm buying a, a, a finished-out dog. And I said, my mom goes, bite. <laughs> <laughs> bite. <laughs> so, y'all, I had my daughter six, and we had drove to St. Louis from Nashville. We drove four hours to pick these dogs up. Pick one dog up. We drove back from St. Louis. 
my six-year-old daughter and I, I didn't even bring a dog box because I just planned on it just being a little puppy. <laughs> we drove back with three setters in the cab of my truck. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Goodness. Yes. And they came back and it's been wilder and March hairs ever since. And, but it's been fun. <laughs> I, you know, my dad, they came down that day. He's like, you going to keep it for a few days? I said, hell no. Come get this dog. <laughs> Don't get this. So they drove down from Kentucky, picked their mail up. <laughs> Boy, it's been fun, man. We uh, we we took them. They were in Canada. They were January. They were three and four months. We took them to Kansas, uh, and man, they were running, doing the best, man. Um, we ended up doing. I mean, we. I, I follow the George Hickok's method on if you're familiar, mm-hmm. George. Yep. Um, but I've a, a friend of mine was a big trialer, and he said George Hickok's, in my opinion, is the best damn dog trainer out he goes if you follow george method uh you'll have a great bird dog mm-hmm. every single time and mm-hmm. um so started you know george's thing is you got to get birds and guns out of the way very first thing because you ain't mm-hmm. you got a bird dog that don't like guns or a bird dog that don't like mm-hmm. birds you ain't got a bird dog you're wasting your time yeah. yep <laughs> yeah so we yep. got that out of the way and uh and i touched base with george i'd, I'd talked to george previously and uh, touched base with him and just kind of said hey man like what do you think on doing these two dogs together, blah, blah, blah. And, and he said, man, take him to Kansas and let him go. So I took him out there, and they did fantastic. Uh, ran with uh, my buddy's guide. He's got some German short hairs, and they ran. And, you know, first day they were kind of figuring out how to run in the CRP. By the third day when we were done, those dogs were running, oh, man, yeah. pointing. I mean, we I killed uh, two quail over my male and killed a pheasant over my female. I mean, it mm-hmm. was fantastic, man. And, yep. you know, they're they're – flashpointing and we'd go bust a bird but man they had so much fun came back here and uh we've been working ever since and um we're going down to spend uh going to spend down to spend a couple days here next month in thomasville georgia oh yeah uh, with joe with hiccups um mm-hmm. gonna just set up a plan and uh get these dogs get these dogs going a little further so no that's sweet there's uh there's nothing like and I've bird hunted all my life too. There's nothing like watching a dog that you own, you train, point his first wild bird. Oh yeah, I mean, man. I love it. I can send you pictures. My my female, we got we got a farm in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and uh, it's got uh, you know we talked about the decline of quail earlier, but it's got more quail on it than I've ever seen. I mean, we got into. I usually just now I just go with a starter pistol. I don't even shoot them anymore. Right, right. Man, I just probably got ten to fifteen covey on it in two hours. Wow. That's great. It's honestly, it's unbelievable. I remember oh. calling my dad when I first got it, and I said, "You're not going to believe this." I said, "We just had fifty co- fifty uh, quail hop out of a ditch." I mean, there's quail going. Damn dogs didn't know what to do. Oh, really? <laughs> now, do you think? Love now, do you think that is? I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here on the. Oh, why not? We got time, man. <laughs> so, so do you think that was what do you think brought those quail back? Do you think it's the habitat has habitat food, man? Um, yeah, you know, they, they got to have cover. And mm-hmm. again, to not go down the rabbit hole, but I I grew up with a place. I mean, our farm had a lot of quail that I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when you've got the farmers that lease our ground, absolutely cut it down to nothing they take the fence rows out when they're not planting it's bare dirt you can't have nothing man um mm-hmm. they, they can't live on dirt and right. you know when you get your fence rows you get your your thickets out uh the hawks gonna pick them out yep. um I, i've seen firsthand you know when you when you go to that that crop man that no-till and all that stuff and they're spraying so much it's killing the bugs i genuinely think that's a big piece of it um, you know, the, the forage and the bugs and the, and the, the little seeds that we used to have mm-hmm. not there. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, when you've got all that working on top of the Hawks being as as prevalent as they've ever been. Um, you know, you got everything going against the Quail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and what used to be, you know, acres and acres of fence row and cut. You know, just everything is now tight. Yep. Dirt, unless it's in corn, you ain't yep. gonna have nothing, man. And, yep. and it's it's sad because the quail right now is down eighty percent since nineteen sixty. Oh yeah. yeah. Let that sink in. If it were deer, if it were elk, if it were caribou, moose, any other animal out there, there would be federal regulations and an absolute overhaul. Yep. Yep. Um, Tennessee's state bird is the bobwhite quail. There's not a bobwhite quail in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's yeah. very few. You know, and it's 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 sad, man. And it really boils down to the lack of people just don't give a damn. Really, it's just I hate to put it. That's the best way. They don't care. You you talk about a deer, they'll they'll say, "Man, we're doing food plots. We're doing that." When was last time you heard somebody, "Hey, hey, man, instead of we're gonna we're gonna farm this two hundred acre river bottom and we're gonna leave the corners up for the quail and the rabbits?" No, they're gonna take it to the fence. They're gonna take the fence down. And they're just going to cut it over. And they're going to take it all the way. You, and and I come from a long line of farmers and, and people that had it, but you can't have them, man. People want to ask where the quail have gone. That's where they're gone. You kill yep, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you if you're talking about burning or or thinning and making a pine savannah, people just you know when you we there's a big, I guess you know about the big uproar in Tennessee right now, the Tennessee Quail Initiative. They're trying to get going, and um, they talked about thinning uh, the Bridgestone Firestone property yeah, over. Yeah, and it's 20,000 acres, but they just wanted to uh, start with like a 5,000-acre pine savanna. And then what makes it even worse is you got deer hunters fighting with turkey hunters and or fighting with bird hunters. No, we don't want you to cut We don't need to be fighting with each other. We've got to, I mean. mean, people don't care, man. That's what, again, it boils down to people don't care because it doesn't affect them. And it's, it's it's a bird. Who gives a damn about a bird? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what it is. It ain't a two hundred yep. inch buck in yep. Tennessee. I mean, you ain't got them either. So yeah. <laughs> let's bring it, the quail back. It, it's all a it's all a pride and an egotistical thing. You know, it's about who can kill the biggest. You know, to kill the biggest buck, or you know, like you said, it's they don't give you know you don't give two craps about a bird, which is, I mean, that's it's it's backwards. I mean, we need to burn. Everybody knows we need to burn. Fight, you know, quail's a firebird. We need prescribed burnings. We need to go in here and thin some of these trees and make longleaf pine savannas. Uh, it's what's good for the bird is good for the buck. That's what a lot of them don't understand. It's ignorance, man. And, and I say ignorance as they don't know the correct thing. And right. But you you look at like and we brought up Thomasville, Georgia. You look at those plantations down there. Why are they? Why are Why are people getting into forty covey a day? Because every single plantation down there manages mm-hmm. not only for quail, they they manage for the deer, they manage for everything, and that's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've always said, and any time some of these things of should spring bear hunting be allowed? Should you know they they were trying to pass the cougar bill in in Colorado to to ban cougar hunting? Ask the biologist. What does the biologist mm-hmm. say? What does science say? Yep. If we have a set number of okay, if we need hypothetically 500,000 quail in Tennessee, what's going to get us there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that's, that's how it should be looked at. Not, is it good? Is it bad? Is it going to screw up my deer hunting or is it going to screw up my, 
you know, X, Y, Z in Colorado for the Cougars. It doesn't matter. What's the biology? What does science say we need to do? That's all I care about. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I wish, I wish everybody was, you know, thought the same way. Well, people like to call it single species management, you know, and like we, we, you know, get on our bandwagon for this species because something's going on and then we'll shift our direction toward another species. But at the end of the day, like it's an ecosystem issue. And if you're just like looking at um, creating those natural processes instead of hindering them like wildfire and and things of that nature, then that it it is good for everything that's supposed to be here. Right. Cause that's why it was here in the first place. Well, you look at, you look at the pheasant in, uh, in, in Kansas, just because I, I had long conversations with <clears throat> the, the guides and stuff out there. And, you know, if you go to Kansas and look at the public land out there, and this is no knock on Kansas because we, my wife and I love it out there. Mm-hmm. They will do, people will do public land out there. And then they, you go out there in, in the winter and it's nothing but wheat stubble. It's that tall, mm-hmm. you know, and they won't leave corners. They won't leave nothing. The people that leave the corners have the birds. Yeah. And we're not talking mm-hmm. about leave your whole field because we know you got to farm it. I know you mm-hmm. got to farm it. I know you got to make money to support your yep. life. Um, but I personally believe that it should be mandated that every field that's an ag field should have a certain percentage left over for mm-hmm. the wildlife. Yep. Because yep. your pheasant, when you're on the plains, there is nothing but that corner for that, mm-hmm. for that quail, for that pheasant. So if you've got a, a, a section if you got four corners on that thing, man, I mean, that's all they got. Mm-hmm. It, sh- it should be mandated, honestly. Yeah. I genuinely yeah. believe that it should be mandated for anything that's an agricultural field to have a certain percentage. And that's just maybe that's me. People can call me an asshole. I don't care. But <laughs> I'm just telling you, it, it, I think we're going to look back in 30 or 40 years and our kids are going to be really sad because they're not going to be able to experience the things I think yeah. we experience. Yeah, you know? I, I, I think you're right. You laid down that guitar kit and pick that guitar up and hit us another one before we go. <laughs> Hit us another one, all right. Hit us another one. So you asked about this and early, I'll play it for you. Most times you wind up back at your place Someone barely knows your name You race through all the maybe We should take it slow and you Wake up with a hammer hitting on your head One more night to mark on the bed When that sun creeps in She's halfway out the door Sometimes she stays And I ask you what you're doing that day Where you keep the coffee in and no sweatshirt And all your walls start falling over her One night turns into every day Turns into one more toothbrush in your place There'll come a time that you turn around And never see it any other way Cause sometimes she stays Wow, I love that song. Love that song yeah, I, I sent that. Oh, to, I sent you. that to Leslie the other day. I said, "Listen, to this. I said this is good right here." Man, that's you know the songs opened so many doors, made me so many friends. It's you know God gives you songs like that every once in a while, and uh, I wrote that by myself on a Sunday afternoon one day, and it's uh, it's it's 
really done a lot for me. And a quick story about that, which is just another God thing. But uh, first time I went elk hunting in Colorado, first day my brother was driving into, uh, he was driving in to meet us at camp. And uh, he gets there, and we've been hunting all morning, you know, put taking clothes off, coming on. We, we did about 1,500 feet of elevation back up to camp. And I had switched clothes, taken some stuff off. And we had a phone with Onyx, you know, just getting us around. And get up there, see him, blah, 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 talk. And I'm like, where is my phone? I must have, it must have fell out of my pocket when I was changing clothes all the way at the bottom of the mountain. Oh, dude, I went down, up and down three times. The 9,000 feet. I mean, I was killed by the time I got, I was like, my phone is freaking gone. We are 45 minutes from Steamboat Springs. And I had, luckily, I looked in my backpack, I had left like, a thousand bucks in my uh, passport. That's all I had. And we're supposed to be out there for like two weeks. Um, I said, I've got to go get another phone. I got to, we're going to drive mm-hmm. down. To I'll smell like a goat, go all the way down. To <laughs> Spring. I get down there and I tell this girl, well, I'm the only one in the uh, AT&T store. I'm like, Hey, I'm elk hunting. It's my first day. I've lost my phone. By the way, my phone has my credit cards in it. So you see, it's got a little slider right there. Oh, wow. I ID both my credit cards. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it was on, it was on uh, airplane mode. So you couldn't find it with my find my iPhone. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm at her another two weeks. This is terrible. And she's sitting there. She's so nice. We talk and she's like, yeah, we can get you another phone. So we go for like 45 minutes of getting a new phone. And you had to buy the damn thing cash. Cause I didn't have a credit card. And uh, so I bought this phone, brand new iPhone, bought it. And we get all the way done. And she goes, you're Kenton Bryant. Like, singer songwriter Kent Brown I'm like yeah she goes oh my god I knew it I've been texting my husband for the past 45 minutes flipping out sometime <laughs> she stays is going to be our first dance song oh, oh that is awesome and I've never been to Steamboat Springs in my life and, uh, and I was like how did you find it she goes I don't know I just found the song she goes my husband and I love it we listen to it every day we want it to be our first dance I've been geeking out and I'm like thank you so much that just made my day that much better it did and uh and I was just, I was glowing and called my wife. I was like, you're not going to freaking believe this. And uh, so I get back all the way back to camp. And my brother goes, hey, man, uh, I, I hate to tell you, but when we dropped the tailgate, your phone was sitting on the bumper. <laughs> so oh my, my phone God. was there. So it's one of God's funny little ways of going, hey, man, here's, here's, a, here's a way to keep you going. So I got oh my, my old phone. My phone was sitting there the whole time. So we ended up driving back, and I took my phone back, got got my old phone working again. And you got your oh. money back. And I got my money back, and I got to hear some girls tell me that she loved my song so much she wanted to be her first dance. Oh, that oh, that's, that's just great. that's that was just God's way of, of letting you meet that girl or letting that girl meet you. Yeah. Well, I mean, letting me meet her, hell, meeting me. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Was all it really was awesome, and it's again, it's just he works in mysterious ways, and and mm-hmm. it's been, it's just funny how many times he'll do that to you and, and, and let you know that it's, it's still good. Keep on going. Mm-hmm. I think that needs to be a title of another a song you need to write. He works mysterious ways. <laughs> Ain't no you, doubt you, about that, man. You can do that. You can do I that. Might have to, man. Well, listen, Kenton, dude. Hey, you're listening to Kenton Bright, K E N T O N B R Y A N T. Kenton Bright. Josh can spell. If I can spell. <laughs> yes. If, if you want That's that West Tennessee spelling. <laughs> it's East Tennessee. Oh, is it East Tennessee? I thought you West Tennessee. No, it's up Jackson. It's up Jackson on my phone. Let me see. Hold on, hold on. No, I didn't. No, sweet while I saw shit. I got a call from Jackson earlier, so I think it messed me up. 
Y'all in East Tennessee. East Tennessee. That's right. Yeah. We're south of Knoxville, about 40 miles. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. Right between Knoxville and Chattanooga. Yep. To where we're at. Yeah. Grouse country. We are in grouse country. Well, there's it, one. I've seen him. <laughs> we've got one that we know his name. We chase I, him all the time. One grouse. Golly, man. I've never, you know, that's one thing I've never done. I keep telling myself I'm going to take the bird dogs up and go to like Minnesota or Michigan or something and do it. But if you like a good challenge, you'll, you'll like it. We go, we go every, we also go every year to uh, either the UP or Wisconsin or somewhere. You're welcome. Tag along. You have to text week. me. The UP. Oh, yeah. My wife's from Michigan. Yeah. So I've always, Oh really? Okay. Yeah. We're, we're always trying to figure out a way to go up there and hang out. And uh-huh. uh, I figure if we take the dogs to the UP and, do some grouse hunting that might be kind of fun you should do there, it there you go yeah we go every october and it's oh you'll see more grouse up there in one week and you'll see it in a lifetime down mm-hmm. here really True oh story. it's it's crazy like, yeah. we last year i think not this year but last year we we went and uh on our little trip and we visibly had 63 flushes that we saw in, in a week's time unbelievable man yeah that's the and that's not counting just birds that get up wild that you just hear and don't say that's 60 uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, when you can go up there and just, yeah, it's fun. But uh, ah, you're welcome. That. Anytime you want to go with you, hey, you better watch it. Better watch it. I plan on doing the the bird hunting extravaganza this year. I think I'm gonna try to start in North Dakota and work my way all the way to Texas and Oklahoma in like three weeks. I think that's like my November slash de- December plan. That's gonna be killer. I'm just gonna go straight down and just bird hunt for three weeks. So hopefully these rascals are ready to go. That's right. You're going to start with the sharp tail and huns up in North Dakota. I, I think so, man. Yeah. I mean, what's they come in in what, October? Uh, no, they actually come in. Uh, um, let's see. The huns, if I'm not mistaken, is second week of September. It's, oh, well, it's well, super I, early. I'm busy then. I, that second week, that's bugle time. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like super early. It's second or third week in uh, September they come in. But wow. uh, the pheasants don't come in, I think, till, till later on up in like maybe first November and October. Yeah. I'm not real sure. I went up this past year, uh, to uh, a buddy of mine, Tyler Webster with bird booze and buds podcast. And, uh, I hung up there for about a week, just went dog training, went in August I got there, opened the door and it was 104 degrees. See, that's what I mean. See Hickok's we are talking about it and, and his, he goes to South Dakota, no North Dakota, I think one of the Dakotas and they train mm-hmm. all summer up there. And, but God, man, I, I thought about taking him up and then doing like a week somewhere in the prairie. Um, we'll just see. I, I've got a lot of plans. I don't know if we might be able to do some of them, might not be able to do some of them, but if, like as long as I, yeah, I love, man. I just love training dogs. I just, mm-hmm. I, it's so much fun to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, you know, get these rascals out and get them going. That's, mm-hmm. you know, get them well, on the prairie. It. I give you a pro tip for getting your dogs ready for the Dakotas is is take and get you some liberated quail or chuck or whatever you train with and go put them out in the middle of a hundred acre mowed fescue field just plant them just plant them in random places because I've got my dogs they just they were running at birds because they're not used to birds being out in the middle of the open field you know with no yeah. cover and those hunt or not huns is bad they're more like a quail they're edge birds but those sharp tails yeah you know, they'd be running across a wide open prairie field going to an edge and flush up birds and it took them a day or two to realize crap these birds up here out in the middle of these open fields so yeah. before i went up north i would uh, definitely plant some quail or, or some chucker out in the open fields and and get them to learning to hunt the open fields not only just you know the edges but the open fields because 
it just it just blew, blows their mind when they trying to head for a, a fence row or a corner and you know birds are blowing up in the open field they're like what's <laughs> going on here we get a lot of cut soybean um mm -hmm. and funny enough they it kind of blew their mind too because we had just come back from the from kansas and when we were in kentucky you know they're the quail were in the uh you know, in the fence rows and the gullies and stuff a lot. But when they were out feeding, they'd be in the soy, in just the cut bean fields. Mm -hmm. And dude, it, I mean, these, both these pups here were like, what is going on? Why are there, why are there full coveys out in the middle of a cut soybean, <laughs> soybean <laughs> field? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. It's a guy, it's, it's a blast, man. And I, I, I sure appreciate y'all having me on. Ain't nothing more than I love talking about than, than, oh, than dogs and birds and, and chasing things. So. Thank well, you. Dude, I'm we we could we could talk for I could talk all night. I mean, bird hunting and music and music's I love music. That's just I'm always singing and always just listen to music. Anything to do with music. My wife makes fun of me because I cried during American Idol or The Voice when somebody <laughs> does good. She's like, she's like, oh my gosh! And I said, oh, I'm just so happy for him. You I know? mean, like he could. There's real things going on. He could cry over, and I look over at him, and I'm like, dude, are you crying? <laughs> well, you don't get mad at him golly <laughs> i just music's uh, i just real passionate about music but uh listen uh kenton we have had a ball i don't know how long we've been going to shoot this could be a two-part podcast i don't know for all i know we've been talking for two hours but uh uh it was great having you on tonight and we're definitely gonna stay in touch and turkey hunting ah shoot it opens in less than a month so we're definitely gonna get together and uh, come over around your place and kill a turkey here in a month or so dude come on man we got we'll em. bring we'll bring the video cameras and uh we'll let everybody see that face of yours plan to get oh. hey <laughs> now <laughs> well kenton hey it's great having you on take us out uh give us one more tune before we go and uh, oh tell us hey i want people to hear that music because it's good oh. music All right, let's see here. What sounds good? Got a little 40 of money in the bank. Small town roots running right through the veins. Got a little spot picked away out of town. Maybe touch them to Ah, shit, I forgot that song. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I did this the other night, and I literally didn't think about it for about two seconds ago. When you write so many songs, you go, oh, man, I'm going to know that song forever. And then, unfortunately, you don't know that song forever. Um, <laughs> I don't see how you don't get two or three songs mixed up and sing them all in one song. You're going to laugh. That actually is what just happened. But, <laughs> you just call that your remix. Just the remix. And I got to it. I remember seeing Keith Urban do that one time. He got a piano, started playing the thing, and he eventually goes, uh, hey guys, I'm gonna get my phone out because I don't know. <laughs> oh god, it's funny, it, but it happens, and if, if it ain't happened to you, you ain't played enough. That's exactly right. Sure. All right, I'll do a different one here. To the store for some cigarettes, and I don't even smoke. Past your house, past your work, where I know it shouldn't go. Behind the wheel, hoping. Just following my broken heart To the alley downtown Where we graffitied our names With a cover-up can Black spray paint That's how I'm coping Just following my broken heart
Out the same door you left from Driving the car you rode shotgun in Past the parking lot we parked in That cloud of goodbye dust There's one thing I'm sure of I'll end up At the same old nothing new missing you see Following my broken heart There you go, find that on iTunes Woo! and Spotify too Wow, check what it out What a course for you, man That's right Hey everybody, check out Kenton Bryant on iTunes, Spotify, all your favorite playlists Download him, go buy his music, tell all your friends about him, share Share the podcast if you want people to hear his music and hear a, a little bird hunting talk also share the podcast with everybody but for for right now kenton we're, we're going to get off here we might come back and do this another time but until oh. next next week god bless everybody leslie got anything to say i just hashtag give him a raise hashtag give him a raise <laughs> hashtag, and come to a show and i promise i'll know all the lyrics to that, that one yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah if you get the chance to to go see him gosh we've got like sirens going by i swear um if you get the chance you you gotta do it you got to because i had way too much fun enjoyed myself way too much and was super i mean the music your your music is fantastic thank you very 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 much and uh you seem to be a pretty cool person too genuine yeah you're genuine i mean i I can tell a guy i appreciate it yeah, yeah, anybody that can talk bird hunting like you can talk bird hunting, you're a good guy. Hey, Ken, <laughs> thanks for coming on, buddy. And we'll talk to you again, hopefully uh, not not very long. I sure hope so. All right. See you. All right. Thanks, Ken. More out.